So how long do you think this whole thing is going to last? Well, hopefully we'll have a vaccine in um, the spring of 2021. That's my hope, at least. But, you know, there can always be cheaters that. That was last weekend. I was driving around talking to my daughter, Sky on speakerphone. That's why the audio quality here isn't the best. Sky's 13 years old, and with everything going on, I was really curious about how someone her age is taking all of this in. So are you worried about getting coronavirus? Yes, I'm worried. Um, not particularly for getting it, but for affecting other people in my family that might not have a better e- immune system. Sorry. That's right. Immune system. Like, like my mom, my grandma, my grandparents. What about your father? My father. Why is your father last on the list here? <laughs> because you do a lot of workouts. Because I do a lot of workouts? So you have a higher immune system. And I feel like you've been more careful, too. That's good. Do you think you've been careful? Yes. I have three daughters. Sky's my middle one. And as you can tell, I love joking around with them. But as I was talking to Sky, there was something else that was on my mind. We're likely to have 200,000 people who have died of the coronavirus by this weekend. Just wondering what you think of that. That's not good. That's insane. She's right. I feel exactly the same way. When the number of COVID-19 deaths passed 100,000 back in May, I remembered that I couldn't even say the number out loud without getting this pit in my stomach. Now that number has doubled. Over 200,000 people have died from the coronavirus in the United States. But instead of feeling horrified, I'm now worried that many people are just growing numb to it. As the death toll rises and rises, the number starts to feel more and more abstract. But there's nothing theoretical about it. I've known people who have died of this disease. I've cared for people in the hospital who've been struggling to breathe. If one of those 200,000 people was your friend or your family member, your loved one, it is all too real. And it is very, very hard for people to accept the fact that the loss of their loved one was preventable. Nobody wants to hear that. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. And this is Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. Oh, Dave, he was, Dave was a character. He was really, really a character. He was a fun-loving person, and he loved to tease people. When we would go places, he would like to kid around with the waitresses or the, the store clerks. He was a wonderful person. One year ago, David Nagy was a doting father of five and an even more doting grandfather. He was enjoying retirement with the love of his life his wife, Stacy. You know, I, I could be in, in the kitchen washing dishes at the sink and he'd come up and start kissing the back of my neck, you know, giving me chills in the back of my neck. Then this summer, one day David suddenly felt ill with COVID-19. On July 22nd, he passed away in a hospital. And at the time, he couldn't even have his family around him. He, he just, he was the love of my life. He was a part of me, and I just, I, I feel lost without him. 
David was 79 years old when he died. We have learned that older people like David are among the most at risk for death during this pandemic. Someone who is 50 to 64 years old is 30 times more likely to die of COVID than an 18 to 29-year-old. For someone who is 65 to 74 years old, the risk is 90 times higher. But you know what? We've also learned that this virus doesn't discriminate. The 200,000 lives lost have been grandfathers and grandmothers as well as sons and daughters and mothers and fathers, people of all backgrounds and all ages, dying lonely deaths. Dying now is more tragic than it was before because you die alone. You die alone without your family members. Rita Marquez Mendoza's daughter, Naomi Esquivel, was brought to the hospital on July 2nd. That same day, without her family by her side, she died from COVID-19. She was 39 years old. And Naomi had been married to Carlos Garcia for 24 years, and as much as they loved each other, they loved their two boys even more, Nathan, 11, and Isaiah, 14. When Naomi died, Isaiah was standing over his mother's casket thinking this was the hardest thing he could ever do. But just two weeks later, his dad, Carlos, was hospitalized for kidney failure. He had also been recovering from the virus. And on July 17th, Isaiah's father passed away as well at the age of 44. I didn't get to say goodbye to my mom or my dad now. And that's what hurts me the most right now. It was on February 29th when the first person in the United States was confirmed to have died from COVID-19. And since then, the stories I just told you have been repeated 200,000 times. 200,000 more Americans have been lost in this pandemic than have died in World War I, Vietnam, Iraq, and Afghanistan, combined. And this is just a, a horrifying number. It's more people than die from suicide or overdose or homicide or HIV. This is former CDC director Tom Frieden. In fact, COVID is on track to be the number three leading cause of death in all of the U.S. for this year. As things stand now, only heart disease and cancer will have killed more Americans this year. And keep in mind, COVID-19 wasn't even a disease we had heard of a year ago. Again, what's most heartbreaking, and I pause as I say this, is that so many of these deaths could have been prevented. Here's Tom Frieden again. 200,000 deaths in the U.S. is a reflection of a failing national response. If you look at Germany, one-fifth our death rate. If you look at South Korea, 80 times fewer deaths than we've had. These are lives that have been lost and jobs that have been lost because we haven't had an organized, consistent, coherent federal response. It's the needlessness of this tragedy that angers Stacey Nagy the most since her husband David died. I think about all the other families, all the other people that lost husbands and wives and mothers and fathers and children. You know, they're, they're going through the same thing. And it's frustrating when you know that somebody's died that didn't need to die, or at least they didn't need to die in the way they did and the time that they did. And as things stand now, the sad predictions are that there will be more to come. The Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation now estimates that if we continue our actions as we are now, we could reach 378,000 deaths by January 1st, almost doubling the numbers within three and a half months. But here's the thing. 
it doesn't have to happen. Even without a breakthrough therapeutic or a vaccine, that same model estimates that we can save nearly 115,000 lives by simply wearing masks and avoiding large crowds. That means we can help prevent our friends and our neighbors from having to go through what Isaiah, Nathan, and Stacy have had to endure. I know so many of us are ready for this pandemic to be over. Many of us talk about it like it already is. And it may feel like all the social distancing, the changed plans, the loss of income has been in vain. But we're in a marathon, not a sprint. What you do today, how you care for your neighbors and your loved ones will shape the future. And as I've had to confront loss, it's been a reminder for me to cherish what I do have and to treasure the time I get to spend talking with my loved ones, like my daughter, Skye. Do you think you're tougher because of all this, or have you been sort of defeated by it? Tougher. I always think about how, in the future, people are going to be learning about this in school when they're, like, my age. And I'm going to be able to say, yeah, I lived through that. And that makes me feel stronger. If you have questions, please record them as a voice memo and email them to asksanjay at cnn.com. We might even include them on the next podcast. We'll be back Monday. Thanks for listening. Okay, Sky, love you. Bye. So say love you back. Love you. Don't laugh when you say it. <laughs> Just say it like you mean it. I love you. you say yes, that's <laughs> I love you. Um, I know that you didn't laugh that time, but it still didn't sound very genuine. I love you. Mm, Okay, well, you know what? We'll just go with that one. Coronavirus Fact versus Fiction is a production of CNN Audio. Megan Marcus is the executive producer. Felicia Patinkin is the senior producer, along with Amanda Seeley and Nadia Kunang from CNN Health. Raj Makija is the Senior Manager of Production Operations. This week's episodes were produced by Anne Lagamayo, Emily Liu, Aaron Mathewson, Evan Chung, Madeline Thompson, Rachel Cohn, Zach St. Louis, and Zoe Saunders, with additional help from Mallory Simon. Nathan Miller is our engineer, and David Toledo is the team's production assistant. Special thanks to executive producer of CNN Health, Ben Tinker, as well as Ashley Lusk, Courtney Coop, and Daniel Cantor from CNN Audio.